Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Good evening. I heard you had a bit of a bike ride today out in the uh, the hills there. Um, so is this uh, this green uh, landscape now, is this reversion to the mean uh, in weather in California or what? <laughs> Pretty like, much. You know, we brown, had, we brown had what, like, drought, time drought, five drought, days drought. That was all everybody ever talked about. And uh, now you've got some rain. So what's going on there? Is this reversion of the mean? I'm hoping it's good luck for the market. Just green, green, green. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, quite quite a change, right? I mean, I don't know if it – the problem, I guess, is that it doesn't fill up the aquifers. Um, you know, it just changes the landscape a little bit, but doesn't necessarily address the longer-term problem of just throwing, throwing the state off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we've got a week ahead. We're going to be starting to go into more earnings. Uh, I don't think this week is the, the bigger week. The week following is uh, where we start getting a lot of S&P stocks. Um, but uh, if you have any on your uh, list there of symbols to, to watch out for this week, you can rattle that off. Um, let me start with um, just where the futures are at since they opened about half an hour ago. And the um, first thing we look at is the Dow Jones futures are up 24 points at uh, 0.07%. And, um, you know, that's just to, to note that Friday, you know, we did break the 13-day trading range um, and uh, closed above it. And so we're just wanting to take a look at whether we think there's some follow through here or not right like is this was that just a one day wonder i mean it was the best day in the last 30 um but uh you know is is it sustainable you know what was the causation of that you know why why did investors feel you know uh, the volume the volume was there i mean it it did come in it was a, it was a little bit lighter volume week maybe than what a, a normal week would be, say, in the middle of November or October, uh, just uh-huh. because it was a shortened week, right? But we did have equivalent volume on Friday show up. So people were interested in committing. And that was an interesting mix of stocks that they, they certainly committed to. Um, but from the futures perspective, you know, are we going to build on what we had and currently they're up a little bit at the moment uh, the S&P 500 is up eight points or 0.2 percent same thing it broke its 13-day uh, channel uh, NASDAQ 100 is up 0.31 uh, percent which is 35 points now it only had a five-day channel and it did not break it okay it came close within I think 22 cents if I remember correctly of, of tagging uh, that high from the five days, but it didn't break it. So uh, quite a different, you know, tale of markets, but at the moment, the NASDAQ is up more than the Dow and the and the SPY is, or the S&P futures. Um, the Russell is also lagging a bit behind the um, NASDAQ. It's up 0.19% at the moment or point or 3.4 points. It also broke its 13-day channel. So we had the diamonds, the spies, and the Russell IWM 
all broke the channel. Q's didn't even have a 13-day channel because it was been underperforming the other ones already, uh, and it didn't even break its five. So we'll have to see uh, if this year becomes one of those situations where you know the the real lagger last year suddenly moves into the forefront. Or are we going to continue to have uh, another year of more value consideration, more disruption to the things that were you know defensive or not? Um, while I'm here, I'll go look at the VIX. Uh, VIX is down 0.66% at the moment. It's also been sliding um, even last week. It just uh, it had a, a, a slide uh, anyway. Um, and then we move into energy. Energy is up at the moment 0.35%. Uh, this is specifically West Texas crude. Uh, Brent is up 0.32. And um, we did have a, a bit of a pullback on January the 3rd, quite substantially also on the 4th. Then it stabilized sideways on the 5th and the 6th. And uh, now we are still on an inside inside day, sort of to speak right now in crude. Um, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. Metals uh, were doing really good. Um, and then we had a move of the dollar that disrupted it on uh, January 5th. We had that move on the dollar that uh, was substantially disrupted. Um, let's see. Oh, we should roll to the currencies first here. One sec. Yeah. So, um, sorry, on January on January the 5th, clarify, clarification here, January the 5th, we actually had the dollar move up right? And it's been trading in also a range going all the way back to December the 15th or so, 14th or 15th. There's a range there. And it did break up above it a little bit. Then on the 6th, with the catalyst of the jobs number, it uh, was up but got significantly hammered and moved down substantially. And so that impacted on January 6th, that benefited the markets, benefited some sectors more than others, because as the dollar moves, it does impact uh, various sectors differently. And uh, rolling back to the metals here, we had that big update on uh, Friday, January 6th, with the sell-off of the dollar. So the way it went is January 5th, gold was down, dollar was up. January 6th, gold was up huge, dollar was down huge. Okay. So there's more of that inverse relationship between gold, especially gold and silver, and uh, and the dollar. And there's also that relationship in other commodities, but I think it shows up in the metals more significantly to me. Um, bonds, since the beginning of the year, uh, we've had them moving up. So that means interest rates moving down. And uh, Friday was uh, a good day in the bonds as well, um, moved up significantly. So interest rates dropped on that, again, jobs catalyst. So what the takeaway from that jobs number was, uh, was really that, um, you know, uh, the Fed's uh, efforts in raising rates and so on and battling inflation 
is working to a degree. And so again, this hopes brings in that maybe they won't be as aggressive. And so the the odds on what the ultimate target is uh, got adjusted slightly down. The odds on the 50 basis point hike in February got slightly adjusted. So, you know, it does impact everything. The odds makers, you know, take a look at that. I wanted to look at this uh, article here. It was uh, in Zero Hedge. Uh, it comes from Andrew Sheets. He's the chief cross asset strategist for Morgan Stanley. Um, he talks about 2022 was the first year since the 1870s that both stocks and long-term bonds fell by more than 10%. So that's a huge anomaly. And it implicates that, you know, what this means to have a flight to quality or safety instruments, you know, the, the definition varies significantly now. Some traditional defensive assets worked as ad advertised, others didn't. Um, you know, so it really depended on the asset class that you were allocated to. Uh, just to summarize it all, here's the important implications. Um, 2022 type years don't come around very often, but it's a good reminder that concepts like beta and defensiveness aren't always ca as cast iron as they may seem. Correlations can change. So we're always monitoring the persistence of correlation. Like I just mentioned to you an inverse relationship between the dollar and gold and silver, but that could change as well. And so you need to monitor those relationships. Um, secondly, some of the reliable diversifiers remain important. Um, we continue in 2022, we continue to prefer defensives over cyclicals in the US and Europe. So now this is, are we going to continue that theme in 2023 where we prefer the defensives, right? Um, third, a common theme was beta outliers was valuation. Um, so we had obviously energy did crazy well. Uh, Brazilian equities, Mexican dollar, all did uh, uh, better. Um, bonds, which did poorly, were some of the richest valuations in centuries. Now, real yields have normalized significantly. So um, they, they're feeling that it's still a tough U.S. equity environment, and they're thinking that some of the international stuff will, be, will do better. Um, valuations will still be important this year. Anyway, I think that's that's enough on that subject, but you can look it up for yourself. Uh, just interesting to, to uh, I didn't know that bonds and uh, the market being down over 10% hasn't happened since 1870. So that was, uh, that was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, um, over to you, Dave, to rattle off some stuff. Yeah, so the economic reports and Fed speaker reports um, on Monday. There are some inflation reports coming out from the New York Fed, also consumer credit. And then Tuesday, Jerome Powell's speaking in Sweden. And so anytime he speaks, that could be uh, little market moving events. 
And then on Wednesday, nothing really eventful. Thursday, consumer price index and core CPI and jobless claims. And then Friday, consumer sentiment. So, so there is some more themes around inflation and um, well, the consumer you know, coming up. Yeah, sentiment is always important, um, but that CPI number is the biggest because that's really, you know, this uh, report card for December's inflation, right? Yeah. You know, it, it really tells us what's what's actually going on. So, you know, part of that was the jobs number on Friday. Will we will we have a continuation of that? You know, more positive outlook for what the Fed's been doing has been working and blah blah blah. Or are we going to have a, a surprise? You know. Um, we don't know. We need to be prepared, and uh, and it could be again another day where things move significantly. Here's the thing: because it's released, you know, an hour before the market opens, you're going to have, you know, some movement in the pre-market, and we're going to either have one of those events where we're opening up again significantly, you know, or opening down, and. Uh, at some point, does does the movie keep repeating where we open down on uh, CPI numbers and then rally, <laughs> or we we open up and sell off? I mean, you know, it's, it's gonna be interesting. So make sure you note that on your calendar. And then there's some earnings. Um, it, just check your symbols against uh, any earnings reports. Monday there's Tilray, Tuesday Albertsons, Bed Bath and Beyond, Wednesday KB Homes. Um, Thursday, Taiwan Semiconductor that can move the chips. I think Friday is Delta Airlines and JP Morgan. So there are a couple earnings in the backdrop there. And then, then we will move towards uh, mid month seasonality at the end of the week. I think it's the first day of seasonality, Friday. And then the following week, we, we can get more towards mid month seasonality, which is supposed to be bullish, probably the best part of the entire month um, for the SP 500. And um, I don't know what you want to talk about levels next, or yeah, just uh, I mean seasonality. Like it's it's good to look ahead and be prepared for it, and uh, you know the things to see what might be at a, at a, at the biggest anomaly going into that you know ninth through fourteenth day business day of the month. Ninth through fourteenth trading day of the month is what we have on our calendar for what we call mid-month seasonality. So how are we approaching that? You know, what sectors are favored uh, through that and where are they in relationship to that? It's, it's it's how you pick up, you know, your advantages and things like that. Mm-hmm. And in that mid-month seasonality, things like oil, uh, the solar stocks are expected to be weaker, and then more of your risk on things are expected to be more bullish like QQQ, chips, um, even gold. So that that's for the following week. So I guess this week is to look at um, do we come in at a discount to some in some of those sectors or are we really bit up ahead of ahead of those seasonalities? Mm-hmm. Um just yeah just remember that um if I bring up the one month performance so far here on you know China We've had Alibaba up 17.44%, TDD up 10.41%, Baidu up 13.41%, JD is up 6.54%, NTES is up 19.5%, TCOM is up 15.77%. 
So these particular stocks, you know, have really rallied a lot more than anything that you see, you know, in the other markets. And, um, you know, this is part of this uh, Chinese stimulus. You know, they've lifted some of these uh, lockdown uh, and curbs and things. And you've got a homecoming rush, people coming back to China. You've got people able to travel again. Um, yeah, granted that there's problems uh, with testing and so on. But nonetheless, there's a lot of traveling going on. Uh, but there's a big homecoming rush as well. And you got the Chinese stimulus to help people get back up to production. So um, they don't feel it's going to take too long to have, you know, China back on on top of the consuming side of things again. So uh, these stocks have uh, have obviously benefited the Chinese stock market. Um, it could even outperform, you know, the U.S. market this year, you know. Um, so I would be careful on still on shorting uh these chinese stocks just because they're they've got so crushed they you know incredibly depressed and now you're seeing the reversal of the policies that contributed to that so uh i'm not saying that it can't happen and we go back and shut it down but at the moment the uh the momentum is on the on the side of these coming back from their deeply discounted levels so just keep that in mind All right. A um, couple of themes, uh, like you know, mentioned to some of uh, the, the subscribers and traders that you know um, we had a stock like AMAT that was in our um, list of like Nasdaq five longs and five shorts, and and the list for the day pretty much broke even for Friday. Friday was a huge move day, but the list broke even. But when you when you drill down and you look at what was going on, you had a, a real top performer uh, called um, the standout standout short that went to the upside was AMAT. Okay, so you've got a semiconductor, and the and the top long that moved in our favor was IDXX, healthcare. Um, per, per, predominantly you know uh, diagnostic equipment medical services things like that um and so whenever you're trading baskets it's always about the symbols that are impacting your miniature portfolio your your motif your basket the most what's benefiting you what's harming you your attention has to go to those because at the end of the day you are often you know made or, or or not by a few symbols it's not like an even distribution across the board where you make you know 50 bucks on each one or you make 20 bucks on each one or you make 200 on each one it's not evenly distributed it's going to probably be a few symbols that leap into the forefront either harming you or benefiting you. So with AMAT, for example, I mentioned that it could have easily been offset by one of the semiconductor ETFs. If we just take SMH, which has good volume and is widely used, you'll see almost a perfect correlation. AMAT opened up, pulled back, but did not fill the gap. It it tried to, but it but it was stronger than 
you know, going to actually even test the previous close. It started to turn and, and ahead of that and move higher. SMH, on the other hand, being um, statistically muted because it contains the semiconductor stocks themselves, so you've got not all of them performing the same same level. That also opened up, but it pulled back and did completely fill the gap. And then it rallied from that point. And so, in a sense, the AMAT was initially the, the standout, but at the end of the day, SMH performed really well and was up over 8%. And, and so, would that have helped you? Your short AMAT. Well, you could have just started buying a little bit of SMH against it. Right. Sometimes it's easier to do that by observing the signal to noise ratio on a particular instrument and by going in and starting to put on a little bit of capital that offsets that. Because when that thing finally stops going up and you get any clear evidence of that, you could just subtract that long dollars that you had against that short position and you would lock in a profit on the long side. Now, think about it. If in the last hour of the day, that stock that was strong starts to come in, like the hot money comes out of it, you're still short the position, it's starting to come, come in, you're going to get that money back that you were losing, but you already banked the profit from the other symbol. <laughs> this, is an, an, this is called the stock operator side of the business. So anybody could put something on at the open at the market and take it off at the close at the market. That doesn't, that doesn't take a genius, right? You're just having some ideas and you're putting them in for the open and you're taking them off at the close. What takes more skill and more maturity and more thought process is how do you add value on the day by changing weight or offsetting a problem or protecting profit. So on the, IDXX, you could have taken a symbol like DXM, which is also in the medical services diagnostics area, um, and you could have said, hey, listen, I'll, I'll short that against the IDXX if, it, if, if you know, my profit starts looking like it's going to be impacted. Maybe it's going to roll over. You could either lock the profit or you could offset it with a hedge. And the hedge could have been another symbol like DXCM, or it could have been XLV, the, e the healthcare ETF. And by doing that, you're just being proactive to protect the profit. So there's a lot of creative ways to do this, and I don't want to overcomplicate it. I just want to you know, help you with the understanding that there are a few symbols that your attention has to go to that are the outlier performers. Right, either harming you or benefiting you, and it could be on the long side you have something that's not acting right. It could be on the short side you have something that's not acting right, or on the alternatively they're acting great, and it's important to think about how to preserve that profit. Now sometimes it just takes care of itself. I mean it doesn't pull back at all. It closes on the extreme and everything's fine. But there are days where you have something that performed really well that could reverse and uh, and give it all back. So I hope that helps. Um, added a little bit of educational thoughts there at the end. So um, we'll let you go. Have a great trading day this week. Thanks. Good luck.